Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, my name is Pete and I'm a director of Chi Alpha and it is my joy to be able to bring the message to you tonight. I'm going to be wearing a mask because... And McLeod, I am needing to wear a mask when I speak. So I got my Tony Bennett mask on, you know. Uh, so I figured it'd be anointed. So anyways, <laughs> well, um, so we are in a series through the Gospel of John, and we are uh, calling it Come and See. And so as we walk through the Gospel of John, uh, the first uh, 12 chapters of the book are through the signs of John. The seven, there are seven different signs that Jesus does. And they're called signs because these signs are signs of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And last week we saw that Jesus is the thirst quencher. That he's the one who will satisfy, as, as Jack talked about. And this week we're going to see that he is um, something else. I'll go ahead and give it to you. He is the Sabbath giver. Um, but we're going to talk about what that means. It may not mean what you think it's going to mean, so just hang in there, all right? <laughs> um, three weeks ago, I was mowing my lawn, and uh, I have a very large mower because I live on a hill, and so I have to have what is an industrial walk-behind mower, which basically means it's really big and it weighs a lot. I actually looked it up on Google today, and it weighs 600 pounds, Okay. So I can pick it up with one. No, I can't. No, um, so it weighs 600 pounds, and I am at the bottom of the hill right by the ditch, and I am getting ready to turn to make the one last turn so I can get really close to the ditch, so I don't have to do much weed eating. And as I turn, the wheel slips, and you know what happens next. My walk-behind mower ends up in the ditch. I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. And so I shut it off. I go to lift it up, and I can't move it. I said, okay, okay. Um, Ian's in the house. Ian's my oldest son. He plays football. He works out. I figure maybe he can help me, so I get Ian. It is at this awkward... I mean, it's not just... It's kind of wedged in the ditch. It's got the negative momentum, if you will. And so, uh, so we both get there, and we are pushing on the mower, and we cannot budge it out of this ditch by, by the way it's wedged. And fortunately, right as we are trying... My neighbor drives by in a truck. He says, hey, do you want me to get my tractor and pull it out? Everybody needs a neighbor with a tractor. You're like, where does he live? It's, it's just, anyways, okay. Um, he just happens to have a tractor. So he comes with his tractor. He hooks it up, pulls it out with ease. What a relief. <laughs> I wasn't for sure what in the world I was going to do. But have you ever been in a place where you did not have the resources to solve what needed to be solved. Like you, have you ever been there? Have you ever felt a sense of hopelessness? I thought, how in the world am, am I going to use my minivan to pull this? I'm like, what in the world? I do not have the resources to solve what needs to be solved. Have, have you ever been there, but there was more on the line than a lawnmower? Well, that's what we're going we're gonna to see a story tonight where Jesus walks into one of those situations where this guy does not have the resources that he needs for his own life. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. Um, the, the title of, of this part of the scriptures in, in John, it says, Healing at the Pool. 
And so John chapter 5, by the way, if you need a Bible, we have them in the lobby. Make sure you grab one on the way out. I want everyone to have a Bible. Um, we will give it to you. It says this, sometime later, meaning sometime after the last story that was just told about Jesus, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. Okay, so Jesus has come into Jerusalem for a festival, a very joyous occasion, and and this was probably one of the, the pilgrimage festivals that, uh, that, that the people of Israel had. And so during this time, Jerusalem would have, be, would have been packed. It would have been a great festivities in the midst of the celebration. Where does Jesus go in the midst of the celebration? He chooses to go to this pool. He, cho- he chose to go to the pool It didn't sneak up on him. He didn't have to go there. He didn't accidentally go there. He chose to go to this pool where people who were in need were. We get this picture of of Jesus being the one who, who heads towards people in need and not away from people in need. If you want to know what God's heart is like, he moves towards us in our need, not away. And so Jesus is at this pool, and let's keep reading. It says, one who was there had been there, had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he learned that this had been his condition for a long time. And he asked him, do you want to get well? So here's the reason why people would go to this pool. There was a, a superstition about this pool that periodically an angel would come down and stir the waters. And when those waters were stirred, if you were the first one to get into the waters, then you would be healed. And so a lot of people in need, as I said, um, the, had, a, had a list, the lame, the blind, and the paralyzed would come to this pool hoping that the waters would be stirred. Now it was it was a bit of superstition. What they believed happened was it was fed by intermittent spring. And so when the spring would kind of shoot some forward, there'd be some bubbling in the water and people would hope that they would get in and maybe they just missed it, right? But there, were, there was a lot of um, desire that maybe this would be their answer. Okay, so here is the picture. This man has been an invalid for 38 years. For many of you, that's twice your life. 38 years, okay, it'd be, it's hard today if you are somebody who, who deals with paralysis. It was extremely difficult in that day. So you would have to be carried by your friends and family and put somewhere. If you had use of your arms, you would use your hands to, to get yourself somewhere. You probably, um, the economic situation would, would be hard. You would have to probably beg for uh, for. For money, you would face social isolation, and it would be a difficult existence. And so Jesus comes up to this man who's lying there, and he asks him a question that is is kind of odd on the surface. He says, do you want to get well? And, and, And so this question 
to us would seem like, well, isn't it obvious that, that this person would want to get well? But then if we, if we reflect in our own lives, here's what I know, that there's a lot of people who have brokenness in their lives, but if they are asked the question, do they want to get well, it's hard for them to affirmatively answer yes, because there's, they have their reasons. Let me give you some reasons of why some people may not want to get well. There's some people who have um, a specific sin that they are not sure they want to be free of. They like it. They like their sin. And, and frankly, they've been indulging in the sin for so long that they don't even feel the grief of the Holy Spirit anymore. They used to feel the grief of the Spirit, but now they don't. They just... They, they, and so they're, they're desensitized. They don't feel any remorse over their sin. And they don't know if they want to get well. In fact, C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, talked about a man who, who confessed. He said, when I was young, I used to all constantly pray for chastity. He said, years later, he realized that while his lips would say, Oh, Lord, make me chaste. He said, in my head, I would secretly add, but please don't do it yet. Do you really want to get well? Or maybe you, you, you have um, unforgiveness in your heart and you feel obligated not to, to forgive the person and to carry that resentment because you are so concerned that that person is going to get away with, the, with what they did that you feel like it is your duty to make sure that you don't forgive them so they're not let off the hook. Rather than focusing on how, it is, how that bitterness will eat you up and actually wound you more than it wounds them, do you want to get well? Or maybe you become so accustomed to your brokenness that it, the, the thought of even hoping that it would change is scary for you, so you would just like to keep it at arm's length. Or maybe your brokenness actually gives you attention from other people, and you are scared that if you were well, if you were made well, that you would lose other people's attention and that you wouldn't be able to receive the love that you've been getting from other people as they try to support you in your brokenness, and so you're not sure you want to get well. Or maybe, maybe you value your comfort and convenience more than getting well. See, um, you know that if you were to get well, things would have to change. The equation of your life would have to change. Like, you may have to do something you're not currently doing. You may have to stop doing something you, you are currently doing, and you're not sure you want that. Let, let me give you an example. Maybe uh, you value your unencumbered cell phone, being able to get on your cell phone and, and, and Google anything you want to Google at any time and, and be able to scan Instagram and look at everybody's beautiful lives, that you value that more than getting rid of the greatest temptation in your pocket. And you don't want the inconvenience of, of having your cell phone encumbered. Um, I remember when this came to a head for me, the issue of convenience and comfort more than getting well. I, I, I went on a sabbatical about three years ago for a few months, and as I was planning my sabbatical, I 
was planning on going on a cruise to the ports of Paul in the Mediterranean, okay? Now, that sounds pretty bougie, doesn't it? <laughs> I thought, that's pretty sweet. It was going to be my 20th wedding anniversary, and we were going to go on this, on this cruise, and I had fig- I'd, I'd gotten permission to go, and, and it was all set up. But here's, here's the facts. I was going on sabbatical be- for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was I realized I wasn't at full strength. It wasn't, there wasn't any deep, dark sin in my life, but I knew that my inner world was not at full strength. And then I heard about this place called Restoring the Soul, checking into it. And, and to go, it was going to be quite expensive. In fact, it's going to be almost as expensive as the cruise. And it would take, I'd be gone for two weeks and I've got three kids and I've got, and, and I'm like, I can't do both. And so what do I do? Do I focus on getting well and being more at full strength and, and going into a healthy soul? Or do I go on a bougie cruise to see the ports of Paul and have some like tour guide teach me all about Ephesus and all these cool places? Yeah, I went to restoring the soul. And it was the best decision I made. Because what the Lord did during that time has been a catalyst for me becoming more who he wants me to be in a journey towards a restored soul. And I still haven't been on that cruise. Do you value your convenience and your comfort more than getting well? Or do you value your dignity more than getting well? I mean, the idea that you would have to tell people, that you would have to be vulnerable, you may have to seek help, you may have to go to a counselor, you may have to, like, and, and, and dive into, like, it, does, does that, do you value your dignity more than getting well? G. Campbell Morgan said it this way, he said this, he said, if, if the man or anyone else should answer Jesus truthfully, that they are satisfied then he has no more to say. Do you want to get well? Hearing a buzz. You know, I've had the joy over the past 20 years to have many opportunities for students to meet with me and confess sin that they maybe hadn't told anybody before and sat in the path many times and people will, will share their lives and and, and I, I often have, have said the same thing in response to what was shared. First of all, I just say thank you. I'm like, thank you for bringing this into the light because bringing things into light is like the, the first step to seeing Jesus transform this oftentimes. And so thank you for entrusting me and bringing this into the light. And then I'll, I'll, I'll ask this question. I've asked it many times. I was like, no matter what it means, no matter how fast or how long it takes, no matter how instantaneous or how how long the journey is, are you willing to do what it takes to get well? And I can tell you, having asked a lot of people that question, that that many times when they come to me, they are. They're ready. And, I, and if they say, yes, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, how, however quick or however long, however sacrificial, whatever it takes, I'm ready. Then I know that I'm getting ready to witness a miracle to happen. I mean, I've seen Jesus do miracles, okay? 
But I also have sat with people when I ask that question and they cannot honestly answer yes. And in that moment, if they do not answer yes, then then I know this, that there's very little that I can do to facilitate God's work in their life other than to try to motivate them to get to that point. Because if they don't, then as G. Campbell Morgan said, there's very little that can be done. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 7, after Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool where the water is stirred, or when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. And so here's what you get. The man, when he's asked the question, he starts talking about all the obstacles of why he can't get well. He's like, let me tell you, I would love to be well, but, but there's, you know, I, I can't get into the water in time. Somebody else always gets in front of me. You can tell there's a lot of people. This is crowded around here. And, it, and so I just don't think it's possible. And, you know, if I were him and I'd been suffering for 38 years, I probably would have responded a similar way. But he's focused more on the obstacles rather than on Jesus. Are we that way? If somebody asks us, do you want to get well? Are we quicker to, to point out the reasons why we can't? Well, you don't know. I've tried before and it just didn't work out. And so I, I've been here before. Or, or maybe if you knew my family, if you knew my background, you would understand. Or, or and, and tragically, if you, if you knew what happened to me, you, you would understand that that's not possible. And so he feels helpless, and in his helplessness, it's led to hopelessness. And, but here's, here's the thing. This changes everything. When Jesus walks onto the scene, so does help and so does hope. He is going to give an opportunity for, for this man's life to be changed. And so I just have a, a simple question. Will, will you take your eyes off the obstacle tonight just for a moment and turn your eyes to the greatness and glory of Jesus and let hope arise in your heart as you look at his greatness and you look at his glory. Verse 8, then Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Okay, (laughs) now that's an awkward verse. I mean, come on, Jesus. If he could just get up, pick up his mat, and walk, he wouldn't be laying here. I mean, you just asked him to do the one thing he cannot do. Get up. Take up your mat. And walk. And listen to what it says. At once, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. I mean, could you imagine seeing this? A man who for 38 years hasn't been able to stand up, gets up, he takes up his mat, he puts it under his arm, and he walks. Well, how did that happen? Wow, what a picture of the power of the command of Jesus. When Jesus commanded him to do it, he also gave him the power. He gave him the strength to do what he could never do on his own. And then I love it. He says, I want you to take up your mat and take it with you. In other words, this this healing isn't temporary. You don't need to come back here. You don't need to save your space in line by the pool. 
you know, that you've been working for how many years to get this nice space. You don't need to be here. Take your mat and go. What I am doing is going to change your life forever. And so he obeyed. And in that moment, the enablement of Jesus changed his life. That's powerful. All right, let's see what happens next. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and the law forbids that you carry your mat. Okay. (laughs) These these Jewish leaders, they don't see a man who had been... um, not able to walk for 38 years walking. I mean, what they see is a man who's breaking the Sabbath. In, in this day, they had, they, they, they'd broken the Sabbath laws into 39 different categories. And under those 39 different categories, they had a, a 1,500 different applications of those 39 categories. And one of those was that you don't carry your bed on the Sabbath. <laughs> and so what they're concerned about is the fact that he is carrying his mat. And the man replied, The man who made me well, he told me to pick up my mat and walk. So he's like, go talk to him. So they asked him, well, who is this, that, uh, who is this uh, that fellow that told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man who was blind had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. And then listen to this, and, and I'm not ready for this verse, and you're not ready for this verse. As you read this, listen to this. He says, says this, later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. And then listen to what he says. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. Jesus says, stop sinning. Or something worse will happen to you. Okay. What is worse than 38 years of being paralyzed? Um, eternal judgment? I mean, I see, here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying... I brought you Sabbath. I brought Sabbath to your body on the Sabbath. I mean, this is the irony. He's getting in trouble for for carrying his mat and being healed on the Sabbath. This is actually the best Sabbath he's ever had because for the first time he's experiencing Sabbath on the Sabbath, right? Like in, in, in a real sense in his body. I mean, what is the Sabbath about? It's about worship. It's about rest. It's about flourishing. It's about shalom. And now his body is experiencing all that. So he's at the temple now worshiping God in response to what God has done. He's experiencing the Sabbath. Jesus comes up to him in the midst of that and says, I don't want to just give Sabbath to your body. I want to give Sabbath to your soul. Stop sinning. Lest something worse happen to you. And Jesus, we find out, isn't just concerned about his body. He says, in fact, there's something more important than your physical body. I care about your physical body. It's why I came to the pool. But I want to do something even more profound, even more fundamental, even more necessary. I want to bring Sabbath to your soul. Wow. 
And it says this, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. And that miracle that we just read will take Jesus to the cross. After this moment, the authorities have bound together and they will crucify him. In other words, the miracle of bringing Sabbath into people's lives cost Jesus his life. So what does this sign say? This sign says that Jesus is the true Sabbath giver. He is the true restorer of life. I have shared this talk a couple times in the 20 years I've been here. And each time I have shared this talk, God has used this to change people's lives. In fact, out of all the talks I give, I probably get more feedback out of this passage than well, I, I don't want to say than any other, because there's a couple of others that rival it, but this is one of the top. I get more emails about this passage. Because when we come to the point and we're confronted with the question, do you want to get well? And we answer that question. It can absolutely change your life. A few years ago, I got an email from an alum who had heard me share on this passage and asked the question, do you want to get well? And I got this email. I just want to read some of the email to you. It says this, I had been struggling with lust for years. Since it had been so long, I thought there was just nothing that I could do, that I would deal with it for the rest of my life, hiding it from everyone around me feeling like I was living a double life. I wanted to stop, but I felt powerless. She said, during your sermon that night, as you shared about Jesus asking the man if he wanted to get well, I felt like you were speaking directly to me. After M&L, she immediately went back to her dorm and composed an email sharing the struggle and, and her desire to get well with one of our staff members, and she said this, that was the beginning of her journey to freedom. She said this, just as Jesus told the man to pick up his mat, God showed her through counsel and accountability what needed to happen to move towards freedom. She says it wasn't immediate, but it was the beginning of a process of getting well. And she said, I am so grateful for that message. Over the years, I have seen Jesus, by his power, make people well. Over and over again. I remember one time I was on the phone with a a young man, just broken. I mean, when I say broken, bawling. And he said this, he said, I feel like I've been beaten to a bloody pulp. And I said to him, you hang in there, Jesus can take care of it. And I watched Jesus set him free. I've seen moments where where people encounter Jesus and everything changes like this man. It's just like, 
get up, take up your mat and walk. And they get up and they are never the same. And then I've seen other times where it is a journey. It is a journey where Jesus is at work in the journey. And slowly as they are faithful and they cooperate and they trust Jesus, that they begin to get up and they begin to walk and they are set free. And so I don't know if it's going to be an instantaneous thing. I don't know if it's going to be a journey, but I do know this. I know that Jesus can make us well. Now, here's what I've learned. When it is a journey, um, there's typically three things that are part of it. I, 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 this is just, as I was thinking about what, what, what are part, parts of the journey, three things. Number one, the community of Jesus is a part of it, that when you um, bring things to the light, when you confess to your brother or sister, it's, the Bible says in, in James 4.16, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. In other words, it will be a, a, a catalyst to your healing when you bring it to the light and you submit to each other and you're accountable to each other and you encourage each other. The community of Jesus will be a part of that journey. Second, the truth of Jesus will be a part of that journey. It'll be... Um, being a person who's saturated in Scripture. Romans 12, 2 says this, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, saturating in Scripture, reading Christian literature of books on the topic where you need wholeness that can, that can help set you free, or even seeing a counselor where they can help you integrate that truth into your life. And then finally, the power of Jesus. You're going to need prayer. You're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. And hey, this is not a setup, but as I was reading my notes, I was thinking, we are going to have opportunities for all three of these at the retreat this weekend, okay? And that's not, I'm not trying to push the retreat. I'm just telling you, these three are possible. And what I've seen is when those three come together in obedience to what Jesus is asking us to do, I have seen people get up and walk. And so I want to invite Ashland to come up and play a little bit on the piano as we close. But I have a, a question for you. Do you want to get well. This is not a question of condemnation. This is a question of invitation. Do you want to get well? Will you push away the deception, the things that make you not sure if you really, really want to get well? Will you push them aside and open your heart to Jesus? The one who has the power to make you well. Second question is this. Will you look past the obstacles and look at Jesus? Will you... Will you look past the obstacles that, that probably are some valid obstacles that have kept you from getting well? And I don't want to make light of those obstacles. Those are probably real obstacles. If I sat down with you, you would probably be in tears. I would probably be in tears and I'd be extremely empathetic. But then I, I would just ask us, would we then move our eyes away from the obstacles and look for a moment at the greatness and the glory of Jesus and realize that he has the power to overcome those obstacles. 
that when Jesus arrives on the scene, so does hope and power. And then finally, will you trust and cooperate with Jesus? Will you do whatever he tells you to do today? When he says, take up your mat and walk, whatever he tells you to do to cooperate with him so you can be whole. Will you, will you join him in it? Will you be obedient? He says, get up, take up your mat and walk. And, and the guy's like, but that's why I'm here because I can't do it. But when he gives that command, he also gives the ability in that command, the, the power to do what he couldn't have done before. And so this guy is able to get up. And so as Jesus comes to you and he says, Get up, take up your mat, and walk. Whatever the steps are he gives you, will you trust? Will you cooperate with him? In this passage, I mean, it's just a wonderful picture of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus brings shalom, but that shalom cost him his life. He brings Sabbath. He brings Sabbath to his body. He brings Sabbath to his soul, but that costs him his life. It leads him to the cross. Here's what I want to do. I want to have a stand. And I want to go ahead and dim the lights, if you will, Blair, as we respond. Um, I'm going to pray a prayer. And for some of you just stood, what I want you to do is I want you to put yourself in a posture of receiving. So if that means you need to sit back down again and lean forward, sit back down. If that means you want to kneel and turn around towards your chair and pray, then turn around in your chair and pray. If it means you want to, I want you to put yourself in a posture of receiving. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to walk through a process of encountering Jesus together. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight that your gracious hand would rest upon us and that you would bring Sabbath and wholeness to people wherever they need it tonight. Lord, if there are people here tonight who need the the deep soul Sabbath of salvation, I pray that you would, that they would step in and with a big step of faith towards you and experience your salvation as they place their trust in you. For people who need to be free of unforgiveness and bitterness, Lord, I pray that tonight as they, as they take a step towards you, Lord, that you would set them free. For people who need to be freed from habitual sin and life-controlling issues, God, I pray tonight that you would initiate a, 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 a new freedom in their life. And for those who need to be freed from the brokenness of their past and things that have happened to them, I pray, God, that you would graciously come to them and begin to set them free tonight. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture yourself in the place of that man lying there in your brokenness with the sense of the despair and the 
helplessness and hopelessness that this man must have felt and that whatever your situation is, the emotion that you have over that. And then Jesus comes up to you. I want you to picture Jesus coming up to you and asking you, do you want to get well? And I want you to start telling about all the obstacles that stand in your way. So tell him. And then... I want you you to picture yourself turning your eyes away from those obstacles to Jesus and beholding His glory, His greatness, His supremacy over all things. And I want you to let hope begin to arise in your heart. Now I want you to hear Him say, Get up! Take up your mat and walk. And I want, to, I want you to picture yourself in trust and in cooperation rising up and coming up out of your brokenness and, and taking up your mat and leaving your brokenness behind never to return. True Sabbath coming into your life. the rest of the worship team to come up. But I want you to keep your heart and your mind focused on Jesus. I just want you to begin to pray a prayer in your own words and, and, and talk to Him about where you want to get well. Lord, I pray that each person in here tonight would say, yes, I want to get well. Yes, I want to get well. Whatever it means, whatever it takes. I want your power to be at work in my life. Lord, I pray that each person in here would would take their eyes off the obstacles and, and, and gaze at the glory and greatness of Jesus tonight. The sufficiency of Jesus. And I pray that each person in here tonight would would trust you and cooperate with you. Whatever it is that you're asking them to do, whatever step they need to take, that you would empower them to take that step and that they would see your power in their lives. Lord, I pray that this message would be used in ways I've seen you do it before. Lord, I can't change anyone's life, but I know by your spirit that you can touch and change every person here. There's nothing too great. That you would conform us into the image of Christ. That we would be who you want us to be as we follow you by your grace and your spirit's power. For you are worthy of it all. In Jesus' name.
God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you. Let's have a wonderful week following you. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.